Hello there, C-Note here, and welcome back to Dopamine, the show that is all about living your best life, unless that means murdering someone. Don't do that. That's not good for society. But I mean, uh, I just, I can't tell you what to do, but also at the same time, it's not great. And I understand we all have our things. And if that's your thing, uh, I'm sorry, man. That's, I have some compassion for you. I understand that if there's a thing, it's a thing. But uh, in a strange way, this this podcast episode is sort of about, it's, it's talking about those kinds of compulsions and addictions, not murdering, but it it's that's much more difficult and complicated. I'm not going into that sort of deep psychological territory, but I am talking about one of my personal greatest shames in my life and its relationship to mental dissociations, which is uh, having had a porn addiction, not specifically porn, but like really like mental fantasy and masturbation. Oh, I should probably mention that this is not a kid-friendly episode, nor is it a kid-friendly podcast, first of all. So uh, you should know that first and foremost. (laughs) Um, But this episode, I talk a lot about uh, some of my personality type relationship to my left and right brain types of dissociation, complex PTSD, and, uh, you know, the Enneagram centers of intelligence, head, heart, and body, and how that's giving me some direction and like what to do next. Uh, so if you're struggling with some kind of mental dissociation or heightened anxiety at a regular pace, this is probably a podcast that worth, that's worth listening for you. So I'm going to click the button and do the thing and we can start the episode. Let's go. NFL playoffs have arrived, and we have you covered each day on Outkick's Hot Mic with Hudson Withrow. Some of the best football guests break down the biggest matchups from Armando Salguero and Donovan McNabb to Ryan Leaf and Bobby Carpenter, plus the top headlines and reaction to each playoff weekend. So, Chad, which quarterback is sent to that next level? The Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Tua is on this list. Got to be Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah, it's I think, his time right I now. think so. Yeah, it's, it's his time to shine. He's done it in the regular season. He's won MVP. He's going to win it again. It is time for him to win in the playoffs. Playoffs are also a time to shine for Patrick Mahomes. Can he and the Chiefs offense figure it out in order to repeat this playoff season? There's plenty of craziness on a week-to-week basis, so pull up the bar with us each weekday wherever you listen to your podcast. NFL and more covering your favorite teams. Outkicks Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. All right, welcome back to Dopamine and Other Happy Chemicals. I am your host, Christian Rivera, a.k.a. C-Note. And I'm speaking a little quieter today because I'm, that's just kind of the energy that I'm bringing. So I apologize. It's going to be a little bit more of a somber tone, but there's a reason for it. And so I also want to point out at the beginning of this episode that this is not a uh, kid-friendly episode in the sense that there's not... Um, I know sometimes people listen to podcasts with like the kids around, and I'm just saying that parental advisory suggested kind of thing. I can't tell you what to do, but just saying. Um, so I, I actually, I wanted to talk a little bit about addictions because, uh, a feeling that I'm having at the moment is a little bit of a feeling of being strung out and strung out, not in the typical kind of addiction. Like I don't drink, I don't smoke, I smoke weed, but it's not really something I've ever felt an addiction to. Um, Ever since I was younger, I've always felt like I've been susceptible to addictions. And so I've talked on this podcast quite a bit about my relationship personally to 
the fight, uh, the flight and freeze response. And for the most part, with a lot of recent awareness that I've had about myself and development, I've been realizing how much I used to think I don't experience anxiety because I actually live in it. <laughs> it's like, you know, fish don't talk about water. You're just, you're living in the water. Right. Um, and so I am realizing how much it's really difficult for me to calm myself down. And um, while I have had basically like the addictions that I felt like I would feel susceptible to were ones that would help me calm down. Um, weed has actually been something that has been positive. Not It's not weed as in the plant, but it's like the, the CBD pen situation. Uh, but uh, it's, it's been helpful in calming me down and using things like sleepy time tea and trying to uh, rest myself. The biggest thing that's been actually helpful for me is actually mindfulness meditation, uh, Qigong practice, like physical movement and, um, sort of working on my mental relationship to my compulsions. Cause at its essence, I think addictions are, uh, a part of our human relationship to compulsion. Like we're all very much, so many people are very much addicted to social media and the usage of our phones and the immediate hits that we get from, you know, getting likes and shares and maybe aha moments from listening to a podcast or even just the the hit of finishing a podcast or getting through a series of, of tasks. Like there's a, there's a chemical hit that comes from that. And so I've talked about on previous episodes how the, like the addictions that we experience are um, ironically not about dopamine, the chemical necessarily, but there's the, the opiate response that we get from something like a, uh, an orgasm or, uh, a big aha moment or elation when it comes to, uh, being in a big group and singing together or dancing together, or, you know, those, those just big kind of intense moments of satisfaction and gratification. And it's easier than ever these days to get a sense of instant gratification. But then there are some things, some addictions that create that such a strong opiate response that the regulation, you either have to stay up there, which means like, you know, continuing to take the drug or the alcohol or whatever the case is and uh, keep yourself regulated or try to wean yourself off of it. But then there are some things that are just like so potent that it's not like you can take a lower dose of it and wean yourself off. So um, I'm going to be more specific because it's actually embarrassing and something tied to my personal shame that is hard to express. But I feel like, you know, this podcast is something that serves as a talking about darker topics or difficult topics or something that's like, um, you know, a deeper essence of the human truth, the human experience, right? So uh, I'm just going to be frank about it. And so I've had an addiction to porn and masturbation uh, since probably since I was a kid, since, you know, since like 11 or 12, when puberty was starting to be a thing. And I think maybe it became a mechanism to kind of numb out, to dissociate, to calm myself down and stop my anxieties. Um, so I, I, I attempted to record a podcast about dissociations, but I think it's a form of dissociation. Like my left brain, if I can quickly go over it, 
like I, I, it's, I'm conjecturing here, but I think it's very possible that um, based on some of the research of what I've understood around brain scans and personality type, that sort of more of the left or analytical brain uh, fits into more of a sort of busyness type of uh, flight response of dissociation. Like you're dissociating by keeping yourself busy, for example. Right brain dissociation is more like fantasies, uh, uh, visioning, um, maybe like passively watching TV, things like that, more of a right brain or holistic brain dissociation. And then I think a heart response for dissociation is more of like fawning over someone, like completely giving yourself to the other person and not making decisions for yourself and, and living by the other person's standards or desires or wants or needs. And then I think the fight response is more of a gut response, which is also kind of tied to the Enneagram, the head, heart, and gut responses and centers of intelligence. So I think there's a fight response uh, related to not needing or wanting to access deeper emotions or vulnerability um, related to like anger and that kind of expression. Um, So I think what I experience is sort of like this, this flight and freeze, you know, flight being the left brain freeze being more the right brain response. And so flight being um, keeping myself busy. Like I, I very much get into a busyness. um, And I, I think that's what the mechanism I'm in most of the time is more of like a busyness and thought um, thought distraction or thought overwhelm, like constantly thinking about the next project or tinkering with details. Uh, I'm doing stuff like that all the time. I've always got something I'm working on. And then there's two mechanisms. Either I consciously can, well, three really. So there is the compulsion, which is to, you know, masturbate and release and get the orgasm and, get into more of a fantasy, mental fantasy or freeze response. And um, that freeze response, you know, kind of crashes. It's like trading one dissociation for another um, and sort of calms that flight response. It's like a, um, it's like taking a tranquilizer in a sense. And as I mentioned before, like I, I had talked about in previous episodes, how I, uh, the dopamine response, basically when you get that strong of a dopamine hit or not a dopamine hit, an opiate hit, something that again, like an orgasm is not something you can say like, oh, I'm just going to get a small orgasm today. <laughs> it's not, they're, they're, you know, it's not something where you can necessarily, um, at least in, in my case as a male, I can't necessarily control um, the degree to which I experience the chemical hit and reaction throughout my body when that happens. And it's like, it's, it's a, there's something in the body called cannabinoid receptors, which I think is what weed and some strains of weed uh, has various effects around. Uh, various forms of cannabis have various effects around and uh, it calms the body. And as an Enneagram one, like my body is very tense pretty much all the time. Um, and so this like CBD sort of stuff is actually helping the cannabinoid receptors throughout my body relax. It's sort of what's responsible for, for tightening or relaxing the muscles in a lot of ways. Um, and this is, this is information I got from one of the episodes of Nova about like the human body and human system. And there's also a great series on Netflix called human, which talks about the body as a human system. Uh, so those are things that are worth checking out. I think if you're more curious about this sort of thing. And so this like freeze response is like retreating from an analytical world into a 
uh, into a fantastical, you know, world, right? Through the opiate release. And the challenge with getting an opiate release is that the dopamine receptors are, or basically the dopamine is like the desire chemical. It's what is responsible for making you want to, you know, you get the signals from your gut, from your, from your stomach that you're hungry. And, you know, dopamine is like this, the, the, the desire to get it. And when you have such a strong response, dopamine wants you to get that same response. Cause obviously if you're having a positive chemical response or what feels like a positive chemical response, your body isn't, is, is acting, your body has its own intelligence, but it's not a, it's not necessarily a conscious intelligence in terms of an awareness. Like you can be aware of yourself. You can be aware of your body, but your body is sort of doing what your uh, some things you're telling it to do and some things that are sort of an automatic response system. And part of the automatic response system is like, you know, oh, this is a good hit. This this must mean we need this. We, we need more of this. And so when you get like synthetic drugs or you have something that is like alcohol or something that like takes you from one state to another or creates another form of dissociation, you know, your body can't help but see that as a good thing. And it's not the body's fault. <laughs> it's our, actually our compulsions and management of those compulsions that is the problem. Um, so it's important to not blame the body. Your body is not doing anything wrong. Your body is is responding and probably responding the way it feels like it needs to respond. And in my case, um, you know, I, I started to mention like the three different states I think that I get into or that I can uh, that transition me from left brain to right brain. One is that opiate hit. The other is um, some sort of, you know, using some sort of stimulant like, uh, you know, like, uh, the CBD. And then the other is maybe more of a mindfulness meditation and uh, physical practice sort of thing, physical calming and release of, of emotion or energy or things like that. And so I'm trying to get into those practices. So I don't really need to rely on that sort of instant hit that very jarring flight to freeze response. And so in the book, complex PTSD surviving from surviving to thriving, there's this section that talks about the hybrid type of flight freeze. And that resonates with me completely. And even to the point where there's a section in there that talks about pseudocyclothymia, which is what I thought I had all throughout a lot of recording of this podcast and pseudocyclothymia being kind of like a mood disorder because it does feel like a mood difference. But really, I think of what I'm experiencing is sort of a high and then a crash in more of an addiction kind of response. And so I'm in the moment, I'm feeling like this kind of withdrawal kind of feeling like I, I need, like I want that kind of hit um, of some sort of great satisfaction, right? And so what I think, what I think is maybe the origin of this is that, you know, there was a... There was between the school system that I grew up in and, um, you know, having a lot of challenging relationships with religion and some stuff with my parents and a lot of fighting in my house and stuff like that is that I, I feel like in an effort to escape a circumstance that I feel like I couldn't get out of, like that was an escape. That was a fantasy, um, getting into mental fantasies and um, particularly sexual fantasies. And, um, I think I've had shame around talking about it because it, I mean, it's really hard to talk about, um, 
the sexual experience as a man and the moment at the moment, because there's a lot of attention towards, uh, you know, women's rights and sexual expression and all of that, which are all very valid. I think it's, um, easy to make assumptions about the character of someone who's a man who is, who is using this sort of like mental dissociation, this form of mental dissociation. And we all have varying forms of mental dissociations. Um, this just happens to be one of mine that has a, uh, a lot of shame attached to it and it's something that's not easy to talk about publicly. Um, but I have trust in my audience and trust in people that listen to this. And I'm saying it because I feel like it is helpful. I think there's a, there are a lot of young men out there who are struggling with this, this kind of dissociation. And it makes it difficult to, you know, when you, when you have this kind of opiate addiction, which is kind of going, you know, opiates as a stimulant in the U S as a uh, pain reliever, you know, the U S has a, uh, has a unhealthy relationship with pain relief. Like we don't have a healthcare system. We have a pain relief system and um, it, it's not pain. It's like not health in terms of health prevention, but there's a lot of, lot of emphasis on pain relief and that unhealth related to pain relief leads to a lot of people to seek opiates. And frankly, like also when I've started to learn meditation techniques and when I have physical discomfort, I can actually stimulate that sort of opiate release and um, calm myself down and calm my body. And like, I have the ability to do it. It's just really hard to calm that flight response. So when I'm literally in a flight, when I'm on an airplane, I get a lot of physical discomfort in my lower back um, from sitting on a plane. I bring like a little seat with me that I like a cushion and I try to just meditate on the flight or at least the last few times. I try to just meditate on the flight so that I can kind of relax my body and tell my body in a sense, like, okay, I know this hurts, but like, we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. So let's like relieve our own pain right now. Let's like numb out a little bit and sort of like, it's like accessing that right brain numb out in a way, uh, through just using my own chemicals, you know, like a lot of the time stimulants and stuff are just, they're not necessarily adding new chemicals. They're sort of shuffling your chemicals around to do different things. Right. <laughs> and saying like, okay, we're going to get into a right brain association, or we're going to tell our body to release these chemicals so that we can feel this or not feel that. And so a lot of people are avoiding and myself included, um, certain feelings and, you know, we, we numb out to not have to feel those feelings or sit with them or, or sit in the void. And I think a lot of the times my left brain response is to not sit in the void and to not, um, not feel, um, settled, you know? And I, th I think for me, a lot of my relationship, because it, it did start so young and I, I feel like the origin of my, my pseudocyclothymia, bipolar behavior, my left right brain, uh, uh, my left and holistic brain, uh, sort of dissociations started at that young age because of that feeling of wanting to escape my circumstances. And that became such a habit over the last 20 something years that it's actually been interesting that now I'm in a place where it's feeling like I am safe. Um, but at the same time, there are more circumstances that are like sort of, uh, requiring action that, um, make it hard to 
to not just rely on this. So the reason I'm feeling a crash right now is because it was about a week ago. That was the last time that I got that, that opiate hit, um, in terms of like the, the orgasm response and, and fantasy right brain feeling. And, um, this is something I've been kind of self-experimenting with for like the last six months or so, because it's something I've only recently become aware of in the last year. And so I'm doing these kind of like self-experiments of like, okay, how do I feel if it's like been three months and I don't do this? Uh, and then what are the circumstances in which drive me to do this? Um, what am I hoping to get out of it? And and just doing a lot of self-exploration, <laughs> ironically, of um, trying to figure out like in a lot of ways, like how my chemical system is working and reacting. And all of it comes back to understanding and managing my compulsions, not like a hyper self-discipline, but like, you know, energy moves, everything moves. And, uh, it's, if I, it's not about finding self-discipline in the sense of repression, right? It's like, if I have this, this addiction or desire, if I had the desire to go from one side to the other, one side of my brain to the other, to move, to go from constant movement to like sudden freeze, like what is, what's the system going on there in my mind, right? Because like very similar to the U.S. kind of pain relief system, it's sort of treating an emergent. It's not looking at human bodies as systems and trying to um, understand how one one thing leads to another, right? It's It's sort of this problem of feeling like if we just throw a scrap of paper out the window, then it's out of our sight and it's not our problem anymore. And I think that's a lot of what happens when it comes to the idea of pain relief, right? It's like you don't feel it anymore, whether it's physical or emotional, and therefore it's gone, but it's not gone. It's just out of your view. It's like you've, you've put a blindfold on. And so I'm trying to understand for myself what the equivalent of this is, both in like what what this is in terms of putting a blindfold on and sort of thinking of of it is that, that these are just like patches. And I keep doing this, this repetitive patch to sort of get me through the next month or so. But then if I don't, then I crash. Even if I do part of the problem with opiates and stimulants like that is that you want it more, but you enjoy it less. That's part of like the dope, the dopamine opiate sort of system response. And there are famous studies that show that when a mouse is given this kind of experiment of getting a dopamine or getting an opiate hit for pushing a button, that they want to just keep pushing the button. But then when there's like food presented or something when it involves taking care of yourself and your daily needs and your daily, you know, daily life, then the only thing you want is to press the button, not to go get food or to take care of yourself or do those things. So I definitely notice in myself, the crash comes with this feeling of, I don't want to cook. I barely want to take care of myself. I want to eat more chocolate. I want things that are more like immediate stimulant hits. And um, this relationship between uppers and downers uh, is is sort of, um, uh, uh, you know, it becomes a problem 
you know, it's like, it's like getting addicted to decadence in a weird way. And I think, um, there's nothing wrong with decadence in terms of enjoying yourself, but in terms of like the, the stimulants and understanding the sensitivity of my own chemical system and honoring that. And so in a lot of ways through this podcast episode, I'm trying to encourage that if you have your own kind of addiction or repetitive compulsion, that to maybe think of it as like, what is it patching? You know, what is the cut? What needs actual healing? Um, and I think for me, what needs actual healing is, um, possibly my relationship to running away. And I feel like I use it as a mechanism to escape stress or to escape, um, to, yeah, to escape like what needs to be done, uh, or to escape silence or feelings. Uh, and, um, that's just, that just kind of became a mechanism for that. And so something else I'm kind of noticing to kind of bring the, try to land the plane here is that I think there is a relationship personality type wise. I think there is a relationship to my shadow self, my ENTJ shadow self, meaning the four bottom functions of an ITP, extroverted thinking, introverted intuition, extroverted sensing, and introverted feeling start to come into play when I get into this place, it's like my conscious self is, is losing the battle and my shadow self is, is taking the reins. So I get into like introverted intuition kind of trips me up in that I get addicted to some sort of grand idea. It's a grand thing that will give me a hit. Like for instance, I just put out yesterday, which I think is legit a good thing uh, for people to pick up, but I did it at such haste because I wanted the hit of like people buying it. And in my mind, there's this vision of like a whole bunch of people are going to stream in and buy it and I don't have to work anymore <laughs> and all that stuff. But that's just far from the truth. My NI creates this vision of if I do these specific steps in this specific way and I create this emergent, that this will create this result and this result will give me the next hit that I need. So it's like the ENTJ shadow takes the reins and saying like, okay, well, if you're not going to go get that opiate hit again, I'm going to find another way to get the opiate hit. And for me, that's through the left brain that, that would, that's like getting into like extroverted thinking and, um, you know, just piecing techniques together and to create a program and put it out there and create a YouTube video and do all the marketing and do all the things to try to create the result at such a fast pace. And then when the result doesn't happen, I experience, I start to experience the withdrawal systems, the symptoms, the crash. Cause there's a little bit of a high also of like feeling like you have a direction. And I think John Beebe talks about that sixth function, introverted intuition for INTPs is like the favored tool of the shadow. And so that's a way for like the shadow part of me which I feel is ultimately trying to save me, right? Is trying to like, say like, we need this. We need this to feel safe. We need this to feel like we can carry on. Um, and it's up to me to take my conscious self and say like, no, that's not what we need. What we need is actually to breathe, to slow down consciously, to develop these tools, to recognize when we're overusing our left brain and how to slow ourselves down and to perhaps get into a meditative state, listen to calmer music, um, 
try to consciously relax ourselves. And if there are feelings that come up, like the feelings are not going to kill us and we'll be okay. And actually to have conversations with my younger self to say like, you're safe now. You're not in that circumstance. You are growing. You're still learning. Now you're in a place where you can learn the things that you actually want to learn. You're not stuck in the track of school. You're not dealing with with bullies and and people making fun of you or looking at you weird. Uh, you're not dealing with with parents coming home drunk and screaming. Uh, you're not um, stuck, and you're not um, like even when I was a kid, I would work on a lot of projects because that would just keep my brain busy and not having to deal with the realities of what my home life experience was like at the time, especially around those formative um, puberty years. That was happening a lot. My parents are are in a much better place, uh, and I don't blame them for anything in that sense. But it, it's it's what happened, and it's affected me chemically. And I'm learning to uh, adjust and self soothe, and get to know what's happening within my inner experience. So I am needing to employ at least some sort of um, discipline at the moment to not just give into compulsions, which is hard, especially if you're not doing growth work, but like you're listening to this, so you're probably doing growth work. And if you have some version of like these kinds of addictions, then that's something for you to um, be aware that, that it's an emergent of a compulsion, even if it's just like an addiction to social media, you know, it's, it's uh, these are just like compulsions that as a human species, it's not the phone. That's the problem. It's not, it's not drinking or drugs or uh, sex or the masturbation or porn or fantasy or whatever, like even meditation can kind of be an addiction for some people, right. Or um, getting into increasingly high experiences of elation and, uh, or even like deep thought about something like aha moments, right? Those can also be moments of elation and not that any of those things are always a bad thing, but it's like the dysregulation of it. Like I said, like with something within my case, it's like going from such an extreme busyness, the busyness kept me distracted to then needing to relax. And that also kept me in like sort of a heightened brain space. So one of, one of my things is getting more into a heart space and then also getting into more of a gut space and trusting my instincts, not my compulsions. I don't mean compulsions. I mean, instincts in terms of whether or not something is good or bad for me. Um, and then also physically moving my body, uh, with like more Qigong and dancing and, and stretching and, and movement and going for walks and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, a lot of my life has been a lot of mental stimulation in terms of the work I do is all screens and computers, uh, phone stuff with games and podcasts and YouTube and blah, 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 blah. Um, it's all very left brain stuff. And um, I have the left brain addiction to everything all the time of staying high, staying heightened. I mean, not high, but heightened and then crashing from it. So it's twofold. It's kind of pulling back from so much heightened stimulus and then having a way to 
calm down from that more gradually. So that was uh, kind of heavy and vulnerable, but I appreciate you for listening to this. I've got 45 seconds left on this recording, so I'm going to wrap up. I appreciate you so much for listening. I appreciate your support and uh, means a lot that you are still listening to this podcast after all this time. It gives me a place to kind of work through this and vent and share, and hopefully it's helpful to for you and your experience. If you're looking for some deeper support as an IETP, we have a list of courses at happychemicals.org. You can go check that out on your own esteem. We also have an email list that you can sign up with some, some super secret podcasts. But my name is Christian Rivera, aka C-Note, and this has been Dopamine and Other Happy Chemicals. Uh, take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll catch you next time. See ya.